Good morning, good morning. Everybody doing well? Yeah. We've had just an amazing morning already. I, those of you that didn't get to be here, we had the Tabernacle of Moses and all the stations leading up to the most holy place, the Holy of Holies, and just walking through how Jesus fulfilled all the different stations so that we could be in his presence. And we were in his presence here this morning earlier, and I just, I just have been undone ever since. And I have to share something with you, a burden and a, and a, a prayer request, really. But one of the things that I, I really breaks my heart is when I hear of another pastor who have stepped into some kind of failure, moral fa- failure, and we had another one of those happen in our valley and uh, this past few months, and uh, I got to meet with one of the elders this week and talk with him about it. And during being in the holy time with the Lord, I, I just, I, I'm grieved because it makes it very difficult for people to trust leadership. And, uh, and I, I just want to pray uh, over the valley for leaders. I want you to pray for leaders, for me. The first thing I want you to know, I am far from perfect. Far from perfect. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's right, he is. <laughs> I, I am far from perfect, and, and I will at some point, in some way, say something wrong, do something wrong, disappoint you. And forgive me ahead of time if I do. I, I don't want your trust to be in me. I want you to trust to be in the Lord. Um, at the same time, I want to demonstrate a leader that has a fear of God and loves you and loves God well. And, uh, and I just am pretty undone because I just want that to be my life story. And I know that the journey is not easy. And, and I want to be an example. I want my wife and I to be example and my family to be example of what it means to follow the Lord all the days of our life. And so I just, I just have this fear of the Lord over our valley, over leaders, over my life. And uh, can we just humble our hearts before the Lord and pray over the valley and, and for church leadership? Can we do that? Amen. Father, I, uh, this morning, I'm aware of the cross and the work of the sacrifice of your son for the sins of mankind. And Lord, I thank you so much that we can come today and know that the throne is open, the veil has been torn from top to bottom because of the work of Christ Jesus on the cross. There's no perfect person in this room. There's no perfect leader, pastor, elder, we're all men and women, and we're doing our best to follow you most of the time. I pray over the churches that have suffered from leaders who have fallen into immorality, and I pray your grace over those churches and over the brothers and sisters who looked up to a man or a woman who failed them. I pray your healing over those people. I thank you, Father, and I proclaim your mercy over the leaders of this valley, the pastors elders who stand uh, before the congregations. I ask that you would strengthen us, purify us, help us to walk in humility 
and honesty before our God and before man. And I thank you for this church family, and I thank you that they don't expect me to be perfect, but they hold me to a high standard. And I just pray, Father, for your mercy and grace over us that we can walk this walk, this journey, this race, run this race to the end of our days, to the upward call of God, which is in Christ Jesus. In the precious name of the Lord Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for letting me do that. It's been on my heart all morning. Hey, I'm going to jump right in. and Turn your Bibles to Psalm 63, where we're going to land. It's going to take me a few minutes to get there. I encourage you to, if you don't have the book, turn to your app and then turn off all your notifications so you're not distracted. It's the hardest thing about having smartphones. They're an amazing tool, but boy, can they take away your attention to things that are important. Four weeks ago, we started a series of messages talking about how to live a God-centered life versus a self-centered life. And the reason we headed down that direction was because of an encounter I had with the Lord. And I shared that with you four weeks ago. I'll just revisit it for a moment. I had spent six days down on the Kenai, wonderful days, taking mostly family and very close friends out to get our red salmon for the year. We had successful trips. I was on the river driving my boat. I actually went out nine times in six days, came back for the weekend, then went and took Mark Kohlenberg down with very little sleep when we did it again to help Kohlenbergs get some fish. Came home that Monday night exhausted physically and spiritually dry. And I was just in that introspection look before the Lord and, and felt the Lord just say this nudge to me. He just said, it's been a long time since you pursued me like you pursued those salmon. And it was like, oh. You're right, Lord. And so since that time, there's been things I've been doing in my life to have more time to spend with him. I'm actually going to spend two days away from anybody this week just to be with the Lord. I've taken, like Carla said last week, I've taken one app that is very distracting to me. I'll just tell you what it was. It's a bleacher report, and I follow my sports teams on it. Yeah. And, uh, and there's one team that I'm following. I'm going to say who it is because some of you don't like them. Uh, I will say who they are, the Yankees, New York Yankees. Since I, since, <laughs> since I was eight years old, I followed the Yankees. Mickey Mantle, Roger Maris, I've never stopped since then. But anyway, they're having a good year, and I've been following them, but too much. Amen. <laughs> and, I, and I have a helpmate that helps me stay on task with the Lord Jesus. And so in this journey of like wanting to line my heart 100% into seeking the face of God and experiencing the reality of God in my life more and more, these messages, uh, Nathan and Carla brought two powerful messages since my last one. I want to start with a passage that I think oftentimes frightens us. And as Jesus is speaking in Luke 9, 23, he says, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself... Take up his cross daily, everybody say daily, and follow me. And my sense is for a lot of us, to follow Christ means we have to sacrifice 
all of our desires for fulfillment and happiness. But I want to suggest to you that actually walking and denying self, picking up a cross and following Jesus daily is the pathway to our fulfillment and happiness. So often we think pursuing happiness is opposite of pursuing Christ, but I want to tell you that following Christ is pursuing happiness. It is pursuing fulfillment. And Jesus actually follows up this statement with the next verse when he says, for whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. Denying self is not thinking less of yourself, but is thinking more and desiring God more. And we find that we were created to be satisfied. We were created to be happy and find fulfillment in God. So honestly, when we have the pursuit, honestly, when we have these messages, what we want you to see from the scriptures is your fulfillment in life is not in the things of this world, but is in the person who created you. And he wants to walk with you and fulfill you and lead you into eternal and everlasting joy. I don't know, if you're like me, sometimes you're walking on life, you're in your journey for life, and you see something you really, that catches your eyes, and you go, wow, if I had that, if, if I just had that, or maybe it's an accomplishment, or a career, or a position, or a promotion, or if I just got that, if I just won that race, if I just was the quarterback, if I just made it to be governor, if I just had this, if I just was that, if this would happen in my life, then it would be happy ever after. Or maybe it's a woman, or a man, or a baby. It doesn't matter. For me, it was Brenda. It was one of those things that I chased after, and I got her. And I was so happy. I was so happy because I was going to live happy ever after with my wife. How many of you know that's a fairy tale? That's a fairy tale. And uh, in fact, I found out that right away. For the day after our first night, which was wonderful, we had waited and walked the walk the right way, the godly way, we had waited and had a wonderful first night, looking forward for three days of just being with each other in intimacy. And she woke up the morning after the wedding and had the flu. And not just a little bit. I mean, a lot of bit. I mean, yeah. And I'm sitting in this hotel room and I'm realizing that when our marriage counselor says, you don't get married to get, you get married to give, I'm realizing the reality of this truth the first day after I get married. <laughs> and how many of you know that you set anybody or anything up to be your source of happiness, joy, and fulfillment, you've set them up to be your God. If I, had that, if I made Brenda that person, I've set her up for failure and myself for disillusionment. Whatever you're pursuing to be your source of joy, happiness, fulfillment, that is your God. And so this morning, I just want us to recognize that following the Lord, giving my heart to the Lord, is not 
is not a way of duty and rule keeping, but it's actually the way of life. And this is a very relevant message in America at the moment. Suicide rate is increasing at an alarming rate for every age generation. The baby boomers actually ran after materialism and wealth. The ones before us went through the Depression, World War II, and all of a sudden the door opened up to opportunities for the baby boomers. And we got God became, or wealth became our God. We got women we from needy people to greedy people. I'm talking about generally speaking. The generation after, the baby boomers, the generation X, they saw some of that and kind of went a different direction. For the most part, they went after achievement, education, accomplishment, careers. And the fruit of their lives is the millennial. And where we find the millennial is what they call a different God or a different gospel. If you've got a picture up here, is a picture where I just read this article, a new prosperity gospel. It's not wealth. It's not achievement. It's actually popularity found in social media. And so they're chasing after community, only they're doing it in a false intimacy way. And what, where have they left? They're left in isolation, loneliness, and suicide rate is going through the roof. The next generation in Silicon Valley, the wealthiest group of people, they did a study here recently, I just read about it, 50% of the high schoolers in Silicon Valley are, are um, suffering from severe depression. 80% of high schoolers in Silicon Valley are suffering from anxiety. 80%, eight out of 10 people in high school in Silicon Valley are suffering from severe anxiety. Our culture needs to see a people who are satisfied in God. Our culture needs to see a people who are chasing after the one who satisfies, brings happiness and joy and purpose in life. David was one who was called a man after God's own heart. In Psalm 37, 4, he brings a solution to our culture's problems when he says this. He says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That desires word is an interesting word because in its originality, desire means from the Father. Sire is a word that used to be used to have children, whether it be animal or men. Kings actually were called sires with lots of children. So this desire that you have that we keep looking for to be found in, in the world is not to be found in the world. It's to be found in our, our Father. And that's why in 1 John, the Apostle John says this, in verse 15, do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away, and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. Instead, desire God. Instead, seek God. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, don't worry, this message is for me. Go ahead. 
So David gives us the way, the journey, into delighting ourselves in the Lord, to find that place where our desires are met, where we sense the peace of God, the joy of God, the fulfillment of God. He gives us the pathway in Psalm 63. So why don't you turn there, and we're going to start here. As David, the man after God's own heart, he says, Oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water. The first thing, the first declaration that David makes is, God, (laughs) you are my God. You are my God. Again, whatever we are pursuing for our peace, our joy, our fulfillment, that is your God. And David says, I want to clear something up right now. God, you are my God. I want to just help you understand the context. You know, I think the most difficult times, really, to find God is when everything's going really good or the bottom's dropped out. And nothing's going good. I think those are the two most difficult times. And David, in this context, the bottom has dropped out. His son, Absalom, has usurped the kingdom from him. He's raised up a a revolution. And a revolt has happened. And and his son, Absalom, has taken the the crown from him. And now he's got 12,000 soldiers just around the corner trying to find his dad to kill him. David writes Psalm 63 in a cave. Circumstances are bad. And it's in this place where he comes to God and he's not looking for his circumstances to change. He's looking for his God to meet him in his need. He doesn't pray here, rescue me in this psalm. He says, God, my circumstances are bad. I've lost my peace. I've lost my joy. And what I need is you. You might have some bad circumstances going on in your life right now. And you, you may want them to change, and they may change, but they may not change. And the question is, will you still call him your God? Will you still go to him and say, oh God, you're my God. I delight myself in you. You're the my reason for being. You created me to know you. I want to know you in my good times. I want to know you in my bad times. And here's what I want us to get this morning. Our measure of fullness of God is not dependent upon him. It's dependent upon you. James says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. You, in your life, and how you walk out your life, determine how much God you experience and how much God you carry. The measure is available for you. The invitation is is available to you. Come, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Your connection with God is your responsibility. I have to admit, as a husband, I really like this story of this husband and wife. I've told it, but it's been a long time. This husband and wife is driving down the road, and they look across, and he's behind the uh, uh, steering wheel. She's on the passenger seat, and this car comes the other way. It's a younger couple, and they're all snuggled together, almost like there's one person there. You've seen that, haven't you? 
And the wife looks and says, look at that. Look at that couple. We used to be like that. What happened to us? And the husband looks smugly over her to her and says, well, I haven't moved. <laughs> For once, guys. <laughs> God hasn't moved. God hasn't changed. He went to the cross. He ran towards you. He paid the price. So the door is open for you to commune with him, be with him, receive from him, know him, love him. He hasn't moved. The invitation is the same. And David recognizes that inside he needed something. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. We're in this journey at Northgate right now where the Lord is like wooing us to seek his face. Because we're a needy people. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's right. <laughs> we're a needy people and we need God. We need God desperately. We need to connect with him. We need to know him. We need to know his love. David is not going to the throne and say, it's my wealth that I need back. It's my position I need back. My title that I need back. He says, no, God. He looks up and he says, I need you. He says, I seek you earnestly. This word earnestly carries with it two mean, meanings. One is to diligently pursue, to keep after it, and the other means to do it at the break of dawn. This seeking God is not something you do on Sundays. It can help you. We're here to help you, but this is a, a diligent pursuit. And I'm just going to give you a clue. You probably already know this, but just, I just know this. I'll tell you how not to get there. Get up in the morning and read the news. Don't do that. I did that about a week and a half ago. I remember I got up and the first thing, for some reason, I opened my computer instead of my Bible. And I'm reading about Hong Kong and the protests. And I'm reading about China and the tariffs. And I'm reading about a shooting that happened and the results of that. And I'm reading about gun control issues. And I'm reading about our governor and the permanent fund. And I'm reading about the fires the next week. I'm like, whoa! Are you hearing me? Delight yourself in the Lord first. And then you're able to see things from his perspective. And your peace isn't taken away. And you have confidence that he loves you and he has hope for your future. And so this idea of seeking him earnestly is both diligently and at the crack of dawn. I don't think it's so much about the time as much as it's about the priority. Make Seeking God, your first priority. The Bible says the righteous live by faith. So Hebrews eleven six says this, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. What does faith look like? For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. Everybody say rewarder. Of those who seek him. Our father is a rewarder. He's not a rule maker. He's not a dictator. I'm just going to be uh, transparent with you. I naturally am not a great rule keeper. Brenda, say amen. I, when I look at stoplights and things like that, I always think it's the intent of the law. She said, you just ran a stop sign. I said, there was nobody coming. How many, don't do that. 
I'm not giving you freedom to do that. Don't, I'm just telling you my natural inclination. That's my na- I'm not a great rule keeper. Some of you in this room, you're rule keepers. That's just what you do. That's your natural bent. That's not mine. And so, to me, to go after God because his rewarder is enticing. And it should be enticing to you. He is your source of life. Fulfillment, joy, happiness. He is the one you were created to know and to love and to be loved by. And he's wooing you. He's wooing us. C.S. Lewis says this, aim at heaven and you get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you end up with neither. Carla mentions Matthew 6 last week. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all those things that our heart longs for will be added unto you. The apostle Paul said, compared to knowing Christ Jesus, everything is like poop. That's the word that's used. Like dung, rubbish. The word is actually poop. Compared to everything, knowing Jesus compared to everything else is like poop. And so David, he looks inward, he goes, man, I'm empty. And he looks upward, and he begins considering, delighting himself in the Lord. And then look what happened. It says, uh, Psalm 63, 2. Thus I have seen you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. The word sanctuary in the Hebrew is Kodesh. It means holy place. And it was talking about the Ark of the Covenant, to come into the Ark of the Covenant. David was one of those that had this pursuit of God that actually pulled a New Testament experience because his pursuit of God pulled a New Testament experience into his life when he actually, as the king, was able to go into the most holy place where the Ark was. The Ark of the Covenant was where the presence, the kind of glory of God dwelt. And in that place, David says, I've seen, I remember, I've seen your power, I've seen your glory. Here's the third thing you do. You look inward, ah, I have a need for God. You look upward and you begin thinking about him, delighting in him, and you remember the times in your life when you saw him, you experienced him. You know, in my own journey. I just was thinking this week as I was reading through this, remembering. I remember, and I've shared before, but I remember in a time when God poured out his glory during the worship service here, uh, where a young lady came up and she came with a friend, a teenager, uh, just a very smart, brilliant young lady. And uh, in the presence of God's people worshiping him, the glory fell upon her. She fell on the floor right by me and she got up born again. I, I've been in gatherings and places where the glory of God falls. And, and I remember my son-in-law, Jeff. The glory of God fell on Jeff. And he ended up on the floor. And he kept saying, it's hot. It's hot. It's hot. And he stood up a different man, believing in the supernatural of God. In this room, there are several people I could mention to you that have experienced the healing power of God. Remembering 
my own salvation, when the presence of God came into my life and the honey of his love just adopted me, I could feel him full. I actually could sense his presence from head to toe. And I'm just recalling, remembering my encounters with God. You can drink from those memories and receive the revelation again. I was in a a gathering in Seattle with my wife and we were in a service and hungry people, by the way, get with hungry people. We were in this gathering and Gary Oates got up and he started speaking about the holiness of God. And he had an encounter in the third heaven where he was taken up in the spirit and he just saw the torso of God. He just, and he said the holiness of God. The holiness of God. It's nothing like you can even imagine. It's just like such purity. Such no, there's just no room for anything evil. It's just, and in this service, the glory of the Lord fell. It came on all of us. I fell in my seat and I it was so heavy. The kabod, the glory of God was so heavy. I couldn't sit up. I couldn't lift up my head. I was laid down against my seat and I, I was feeling the unworthiness of my own sin, my pride, my fear of following God, all those things. Like I was becoming aware of them and the glory of God was just dealing with my humanity. And I remember in that place, all of a sudden, somebody went to the keyboard and prophetically began singing across the auditorium, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. I want to say that over all of you. You are forgiven. The blood of Jesus is enough. And in that place, it was just like the, the loving kindness of the Lord just came through my body and I just felt pride go. I felt fear. Actually, it was a journey I was in of following the Holy Spirit and I was afraid of what the Holy Spirit was doing in that room. And I was judging the work of the Holy Spirit. And it was in that place that I repented and I was set free from judging. How many would like to be set free from, you don't have to lift your hands. I want you to know that God is not picky for where he shows up. And he's not overly sensitive, but he is holy. David says, because your life and kindness is better than this life. David had experienced rejection. Rejection by his father, rejection by his brothers, rejection by King Saul, David had experienced victories, victory over the bear, victory over the lion, victory over Goliath. He had experienced wealth. He was the king of Israel. He had all the wealth he could ever imagine. He knew what it was to have many women. He had a concubine. He knew what lots of sex was like. He had everything that man pursues in the world. And he says, compared to your loving kindness, it doesn't compare. Your loving kindness is better than this life. So something changes. I believe he encounters the Lord right in the middle of this cave. All of a sudden, he's blessing the Lord and he's lifting up his hands in praise. You know, I just want to share something real quick with you. 
When you receive Christ Jesus, you become the sanctuary of God. You become the temple. You have access to the holy place. But there's something available when two or three come together that's not available when just one of you are there for the most part. He says, when two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. Well, I thought he was there when it was just me. And he says, no, when there's two or three, there's three of my children pulling on heaven. How many have children when they all come for you at the same time wanting ice cream? You go, dang. Well, that's probably not a good word. Bummer. (laughs) When two or three, there's another dimension of availability of his presence. And then he says, when he inhabits the praises of his people. There's something about me being in my bedroom praising the Lord, but it doesn't quite match what's available when there's a bunch of people with one heart, one mind, and one accord giving glory to God, raising their hands to the Lord. Are you with me? And every, if you look at history of every revival, of every outpouring of the Spirit of God, which is actually a manifestation of his face, It's when hungry people gather together and say, God, we need you, like we did in worship this morning. We need you. We need your glory. We need to be filled up with the fullness of God. And David is in this place, and he says, I bless you, Lord. I will lift up my hands in your name. The life of the Christian is not just to get born again and then get rescued and go to heaven when you die. The life of a Christian is to be growing in the glory of God from glory to glory, ever increasing glory. Your your capacity to carry the glory of God is supposed to be growing and growing and growing. And the greatest danger is your satisfaction with past revelation. Of God. That's why it's incumbent that you have a hunger and thirst to know Him and make Him known. How many of you know there's a whole bunch more of God than what we've experienced? A whole bunch more of God than what we've experienced. Verses 5 through 8. In the cave, he gets satisfied in God. My soul is satisfied as with marrow and fatness. That year, you look at that word, marrow and fatness, that doesn't sound so good. Well, in that day, that was a description of rich food. So he's taken an illustration of the natural, rich foods. For me, it would be bacon and sirloin steak. (laughs) Or peanut butter and chocolate. That's a good mix, too. (laughs) My soul is satisfied. Like when I eat bacon, I say, oh, man, mmm. He's using that as an illustration of what's going on in his soul. My mouth offers praise with joyful lips. Again, he's just in this place of praise. When I remember you on my bed, he remembers him in the morning. He remembers on his bed. You have been my help in the shadow of your wings. I will sing for joy. Everybody say, sing for joy. I don't know what it is about song. And some of us like to sing more than others. I get that. Some of us can sing better than others. I get that too. But there's something about the language of the Spirit that includes singing. And some of us have lost our song. I don't know what difficult thing in life stole your song. 
stole your praise, um, stole your expression of uninhibited exaltation of God. But go back to that place and let God heal your heart. Let him meet you there. Let him meet you there because he wants to restore your awareness that his loving kindness is better than this life that you can praise him. Because your praise attracts more of him. Your praise tells the world there's something more valuable than what the world has to offer. I found him. I found him. The blessings of this life are blessings. For you, it might be hunting, fishing, computers, cars, diamonds, children, grandchildren, careers. There's plenty of choices out there. Creation, I have a picture of Pioneer Peak here because it's one of those things. I love God's creation. I can just stare at that mountain. But if it doesn't lead me to worshiping my creator, it becomes my God. How many of you have gone to a vacation? You go, I can't wait to go on this vacation. I can't wait to go on this vacation. I can't wait to go on the vacation. And you go on the vacation and you come home and go, I can't wait till I go to my next vacation. Because it's not lasting. There is one who's f- fulfilling. There is one who will bring and delight to your soul and give you the desires of your heart. When I've been before the Lord and just preparing this message, and I actually going to conclude here, and worship team, you can kind of make your way up. Um, there's this, this song that hit my mind. We sang a lot of old songs this morning. We're going to stay in that vein this morning. We'll go back to do songs. This phrase kept coming in my mind, and, and uh, it was this phrase. Some of you will recognize this. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Jesus says, come back to your first love. I stand at the door and I knock. And I I, I started looking for it and I found it. It's that, that hymn, Come thou fount of blessing. Do you, anybody remember? And I the only one remember? Jesus sought me when I stranger, wandering from the fold of God. He to rescue me from danger interposed his precious blood. How his kindness yet pursues me. Mortal tongue can never tell. Clothed in flesh, flesh till death shall loose me. I cannot proclaim it well. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, God, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Can you stand with me? We're going to sing a familiar chorus and then they're going to lead us in a song of declaration about our love for the Lord. We're going to sing this a cappella. Oh Lord, you're beautiful. Your face is all I see. 
For when your eyes are on this child, your grace abounds to me. O Lord, you're beautiful. Your face is all I see. For when your eyes are on this child, your grace abounds to me. O Lord, please light the fire that once burned bright and clean. Replace the lamp of my first love that burned with holy fear. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you made a way for us to be forgiven, be cleansed, and renewed to our first love. And we want to make a proclamation, and though our hearts sometimes aren't, it's not really true, we know that you are wooing us into this place where we can say, knowing you, Jesus, knowing you. There is no better thing, Lord. Purify us, God. Wash us, even as we sing this song to you, Lord. In his name. One of my memories of the most holy moment of my life, I was in Boulder, Colorado with 50,000 men singing that song. And the hands were lifted, men of all races, of all um, uh, denominations, with one heart, one voice, and one accord. And I love you, Lord. Yeah. Our worship actually attracts the glory of God. Your worship in your quiet place attracts the glory of God and you were created for his glory Lord you seal the work you're doing in our lives today you seal it Holy Spirit you seal it hey I got a cool announcement we break ground in our building this week Um, I have a letter that I've written for the congregation. I put it in the core email. If you're not one of the core email, I, anybody in our church family wants to be part of the core email, um, just tell me you're not on it, and I'll put your email address on it. But I attached a letter to the congregation. It tells you where we're at with Price, where we're at with the bank, and the journey that we're on together. Um, I want, I'm so excited about having a building. I have to admit to you, though, I'm more excited about what God's doing in our family and I'm thankful that he's positioning us to have a home and a place to equip and send and a place to facilitate our community to know Jesus. Yeah. Let me just finish. Father, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for the blessings of this life. But Lord, I declare over our church family, your loving kindness is better than this life. Help us to walk that out in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There will be a ministry team here to pray if you need prayer, healing your body, breakthrough in any way. Otherwise, have a blessed, blessed day and week.